Season four of Letcentric Radio is sponsored by Book Taco, an online program for managing independent reading in grades K-8. Book Taco has a really helpful feature called Book Lists that help you and your students locate and organize the books you want to read. I'll tell you more about them in this episode. Welcome back to Litcentric Radio, the podcast that's a literacy coach in your pocket. I'm your host, Dr. Julie Webb. I'm really excited to share a new resource with you. It's actually a spin-off of a resource that I already have available at litcentric.com in my online store. It's my Sound Along Phonics program. Now, the regular program that I have available all the time is designed to be used live with students, and it's definitely more of a paper, pencil, and hands-on with magnetic letters kind of phonics program. And I know that right now that's actually not very easy to do. Most of us have remote teaching and learning situations going on, and a lot of our students don't have the same resources that we have at school. Maybe they don't have magnetic letters, certainly don't have the ability to make copies and print a lot of things. Uh, a lot of our students are having a lot of limitations in what they have access to even online. So I've decided I wanted to give access to students and teachers with the Sound Along Phonics program, but of course I had to redesign the lesson so that they could be done remotely. And I'm excited to say that I'm in the process of doing that. The Sound Along Phonics program, whether it's the traditional in-classroom program or the remote learning program, is really an instrumental tool for differentiating phonics practice and for targeting specific phonemes that students need to really move them forward in their reading and writing um, development and to actually get them to be independent. And like I said, I've created what used to be the live, you know, interactive hands-on lessons into a more remote teaching situation that is still very hands-on because I don't want students spending too much time on the screen because I know, especially for our primary students in grades kindergarten, first and second, which Sound Along Phonics is designed for, I don't want those students having too much screen time. And I don't necessarily want them only doing activities that are basically just a digital worksheet. So if, uh, if the activity looks exactly like it would you know, with pencil paper, uh, it's not probably the best way for them to be spending some of their time learning to read and write. We need to get them practicing skills, but get them a little more focused on more authentic reading and writing activities. And with Sound Along Phonics, I'm trying to do that even though it's a remote learning situation. What I've decided to do is to package each lesson um, focused on a specific phoneme. There are 37 phonemes featured in Sound Along Phonics. And uh, those lessons are actually going to be delivered through Google Slides so they can be easily uh, added to teachers' Google Classrooms and some of the other platforms that I know people are using. So all students need to have to access this is some type of internet connection. It doesn't even have to be a computer. It could be on a parent's phone. And they just need some paper and a pencil. So uh, we really want it to be, of course, accessible and really doable, but also hands-on. Like I said, I don't want them only manipulating things digitally 
and we're really leaving a lot of students out when we're requiring them to do that. And I want it to be a little bit closer to how I might do things in the classroom and it be something that their parent can support them with, but that they can also have some reasonable success with, uh, even though they may not have the high support at home. So these are definitely lessons and videos that students can do on their own and have a lot of success with. And I know they can do this because I had my first grader actually pilot it for me and test it out. And I'm using her to help me test the prototypes I'm putting together to test the timing and pacing of things in particular. And she was able to get her paper letters organized and cut out and set out and actually uh, follow along with a lesson. So I'm currently working on those lessons right now. They'll be done soon. And included in those lessons, like I said, they're focused on the 37 common phonemes for early and transitional readers. And each lesson will focus on a specific phoneme. So if you purchase the Sound Along Phonics program for remote teaching and learning, you will get 37 individual lessons that you can assign uh, to students depending on what their need is. And like I said, these are pre-recorded videos for practicing reading and spelling, and they include making and breaking word building activity, uh, so the fluent reading side of things, and also spelling practice where they can actually apply a particular pattern to a set of words. And it's a great way to supplement the word work that you may be doing in guided reading. I know a lot of folks are trying to do some remote version of reading instruction, and this could be a great supplement to that, but it could also be a standalone practice. A lot of our students need this practice anyways, and we don't want them to lose ground and lose the skills that they've already acquired with us this school year. And um, like I said, these are very easy for students to follow along with on their own or with minimal support from their family. So since these are in development, I'm going to get them out to you as quickly as I can. Uh, but to stay up to date on those, if you log on to litcentric.com and become a Litcentric Insider, you'll, that's how I'll be communicating with you to get those up and running. And Litcentric Insiders are just the folks who decide to sign up for my email newsletter. I try to just, you know, keep you up to date on new episodes of the podcast or any other resources that I'm providing, like uh, the writing videos that I've now put out on Litcentric's YouTube channel. Those are all for free and have great activities you can easily do remotely with students to make sure that they're still writing at home. And Litcentric Insiders get first dibs at a lot of things and also get freebies as they come along. Um, I like to share things, especially from the podcast, with my Litcentric Insider group that I don't share anywhere else. So to keep up to date, to get deals and coupon codes and all those kind of things as they come out, um, I definitely suggest you become a Litcentric Insider. It's on the litcentric.com homepage. If you scroll about halfway down, there's a big button there to sign up. Really easy to do. You can use any email you like and I will get that information to you as quickly as I can. In today's episode, we're gonna be taking a look at plot structure with the text Extra Yarn by Mac Barnett and illustrated by John Classen. And I love this book. Of course, I love every book for so many reasons, but this is such a unique story with really unique illustrations. And not only is the plot really interesting, but also, the tone is really interesting in this book. The, the tone of the language as well as the illustrations, they really mirror each other beautifully. And it's almost kind of a stoic sort of tone. There's really something very beautiful in the simplicity of the story. And what I like to use it for, I think that simplicity comes through really well 
in its plot structure. So I like to use it to analyze plot structure in a way that I'm sure you have never done before. And I like to use it to really help students zero in on how the characters respond within that particular plot. Because character response is a huge part of narrative genre. So I wanna make sure that students understand how characters behave, how they think, how they act, how they're developed, and how they interact with the events going on in the story. So let's take a look at today's text, Extra Yarn. So in this text, Annabelle is a girl who lives in a snowy village, and one day she finds this box of yarn. And it's this beautiful um, yarn that's all these rainbow colors, and it's lovely. And she decides to knit herself a sweater. And when she's done, she still has lots of extra yarn. So she decides to knit a sweater for her dog, too. And they go on a walk, and Annabelle meets her first obstacle in this plot structure. There's a boy named Nate with his dog, and he starts making fun of Annabelle and her sweater and her dog's sweater. And she says, oh, well, you're just jealous. He says, no, I'm not. So she decides to actually respond to this kind of negative attack, and she knits him a sweater and a sweater for his dog. And it turns out he actually kind of was jealous, and now he's got this sweater of his own. So Annabelle goes to school. And everyone notices her beautiful sweater because in her snowy village, everything's pretty much black and white. And this is the only kind of splash of color. And uh, her teacher, Mr. Norman, says, oh, you can't be knitting like that. You're distracting everybody. Everyone's looking at your sweater. She says, well, then why don't I just knit one for everyone, right? And then, then nobody will have to be distracted. And he says, well, you can't do that. And of course, she turns around like Annabelle always does, and she knits everybody a sweater, including her teacher. And Annabelle keeps on knitting. She knits for all the people in her town. All the animals get sweaters. She even starts knitting the inanimate objects. So every house gets covered with a knitted sweater, every car, things like that. And her town really begins to change. It goes from this very stark, cold place into a much warmer, brighter, more cheerful place. And people begin to hear of Annabelle and her knitting and her extra yarn, and they start to visit. They come on ships, and they want to shake her hand and, and hear all about her story. And one of the people who comes is the Archduke. And he uh, is a very selfish man, and he offers her money for her yarn, and she refuses. And he offers more money for the yarn, and she still refuses. So he, you know, storms off in a huff. And that night he sends some of his goons to her, her home and steals her yarn. And so he sails away with it. And uh, when he gets back to his castle, he opens the box and realizes that it's empty. There's no yarn in it. And so he gets upset and curses Annabelle and, and her family. And he throws the box out the window. Well, the box floats along the river out to the ocean and, of course, magically makes his way back to Annabelle. She opens it up. And, of course, it's full of extra yarn. And Annabelle just decides to keep on knitting and keep making herself and others happy through her extra yarn. I love when my students get so excited about reading that they have trouble keeping track of all the books they want to read. Isn't that the best? But the book boxes my students use aren't always the best way to keep them organized. That's where book lists come in. Book lists are a feature I love from Book Taco. When students log on to BookTaco, they can immediately click the link to book lists and start browsing for their next book or printables, quizzes, and more. But there are thousands to choose from, so where do we even begin? Luckily, BookTaco lists have filters to help narrow down the options and make sure kids are choosing the books that are best for them. 
There's the obvious filter of books organized by grade span, like K2 or 3-5, or even books for middle schoolers. But there are even more ways to discover a new book. Kids can find lists that focus on popular titles or classic literature. They can peruse lists that focus on topic or genre. Or better yet, they can search lists called After Harry Potter that features books that a Harry Potter fan might love. And Mighty Girl, featuring books with fearless female main characters. Or how about the list called If You Like Diary of a Wimpy Kid that I know would really be helpful for my reluctant readers who are just now finding their reading stride. I was excited to learn that teachers can create their own curated book lists too. I made a list called Eccentric Radio that includes books I featured here on the podcast. Imagine if you have books you want to organize for an upcoming unit or read-alouds you want to put into a collection by trimester or topic, you can do that in book lists. That way, your students can quickly find the books they need, and you can easily connect books with readers. Try Book Taco today and get quality activities in the hands of your students. You can easily incorporate Book Taco resources with other remote learning activities and continue to support your students as they learn from home. Log on to booktaco.com and try out the book list feature today. That's booktaco.com. So like I said, it's a really interesting plot and the pacing is interesting. And like I said, the tone I think is what really sets this book apart in so many ways. And I like to actually show students, like I said, how the characters respond to the specific events in the plot. And the bridge chart that I like to make it is a plot diagram, but nothing like you've seen before. Most of the time when we look at plot diagrams, and, and we've done this as well on Eccentric Radio, is we often see those kind of uh, story pyramid style where, you know, there's this climax and, and then, uh, you know, falling action, things like that. In this case, I just want to show students left to right in a very linear fashion, um, you know, how the plot moves forward and specifically highlighting Annabelle's response to those obstacles in the plot. So we draw a line from left to right, more like an arrow that starts on the left and points all the way to the right, really filling up our, our chart paper. And uh, the students and I go through and we discuss and basically retell the plot with one another. And we mark down the three obstacles in the plot. This story has a definite pattern of three, which a lot of our stories do. And the first obstacle being when Nate and his dog were making fun of Annabelle and her dog. Uh, and then the next obstacle was her teacher, Mr. Norman, saying everyone's distracted by the sweaters. And then the third obstacle being the Archduke and the theft of the yarn. So in between each of those uh, events or each of those obstacles is Annabelle and her response. So in the first plot line, before we get to the first obstacle, Annabelle knits. That's what she does, right? She comes across the first obstacle with Nate and his dog, and her response is to knit more, uh, which of course changes uh, Nate's mind. And I like to add another line to the plot diagram at this point. So now instead of one line or one line of the arrow, now it's starting to be thicker, it's two. And I like to use another color because if you recall in this story, uh, the extra yarn is beautifully colored and it's adding a lot of brilliance to Annabelle's um, kind of the climate she's living in, the people that she's with, um, and the mood is really lifting. And so I like to add these lines of color on this plot diagram to show um, how that's changed throughout the story. When Annabelle uh, comes up to her next obstacle with the teacher, 
her response again is to knit. And so here we're gonna add another colorful line um, after the second obstacle. Uh, now we've got three colorful lines uh, here. And again, we know her response was just to keep knitting. Finally, she gets to the third obstacle with the Archduke a little bit later in the story. And so that obstacle is a little bit further down the arrow, closer to the end or the point of the arrow versus the first two, just to show that a little bit more uh, time has lapsed in between those. And of course, Annabelle's response ultimately when she gets the yarn back is to keep knitting. So she knits and she knits and she knits. Her response, in fact, doesn't change throughout the story. Um, here, after the third obstacle, uh, to the point of the arrow where, of course, it seems like Annabelle's story is going to continue, we add another line of color. So the arrow has now gotten much thicker uh, after each obstacle. It's much more colorful to show how Annabelle's response um, has actually changed the environment and the lives of the people around her. However, her actual response has stayed consistent throughout the story. She knits and she knits and she knits. And that's a really interesting way to look at a plot diagram here because not only visually have we made it very distinctive and shown um, how the environment and things around her have changed, yet the character herself hasn't changed at all. And uh, sometimes in stories, our characters change quite a bit. They change their mind. They definitely change their response. They go a different direction. They meet a new character. They do something. In this case, Annabelle is remarkably consistent. And that's what's really special about looking at this book and her response as a character to the events in the story. So I would ask students to actually think about um, you know, determining which obstacle they wanted to focus on and what if Annabelle's response had been different after that particular obstacle? How would the plot really have changed? What would be different about this story? And actually asking them to rewrite the ending essentially based on whichever, um, whichever obstacle they choose and then rewriting the story from there. So they can just play around a little bit with character responses what is it like if they're consistent? What is it like if they change? And then thinking about how that might apply to the stories that they write in our class. Well, I hope that you'll check out Extra Yarn. It's a fabulous book, as are all the books on Litcentric Radio. It was actually a Caldecott honor book. And I think once you see the illustrations and uh, read the story for yourself, you will completely understand why it was honored in this way. Now, don't forget to sign up to become a Litcentric Insider so that you're the first to hear about the remote learning resources and activities that are coming your way. Remember to go to litcentric.com on the homepage, scroll about halfway down, and you'll see that big um, button there for you to sign up to do so. And don't forget to check out the resources that are already in litcentric.com's uh, shop. You can actually see that on the litcentric.com page as well. And in there, if you go into the Eccentric Radio Growing Lesson Bundle, where this lesson will be, you can actually get access to all of the lessons that we featured on the show, including the text-dependent questions that go along with uh, the stories and the discussions that you can have with students. There's images in there of examples of every single bridge chart that we've talked about, as well as specific writing tasks. And the beauty of this is that 
these activities translate very easily to remote learning. Those of you who are using something like, you know, Zoom or Google Hangouts or any kind of, you know, video conferencing software, you can easily read stories to your children. You can definitely ask them these text-dependent questions. Students can go into breakout rooms and actually discuss their answers and come back to you. You can even have a few students share out just to do a virtual discussion as best you can. Have students write down their thoughts and then share them with someone in their home before sharing them with you. There's lots of ways to have those kind of discussions. And then uh, you can easily build a bridge chart showing yourself just doing it on a piece of paper. It doesn't even have to be fancy chart paper. It could be on a whiteboard. You can even do it with a digital whiteboard, do it visually on the screen with them and even just type in things that the students say. We're not going for beautiful charts here. Remember, bridge charts are not about beauty. They're about function and they're about supporting thinking. And that's really your goal with any lesson that you're teaching students. And uh, we can really free ourselves up from some of those kind of expectations and comparing ourselves to one another and all those the Pinterest beauty that's out there really focus on getting your kids thinking and talking and applying their thinking in new ways. And the tools that you use, whether you're live with students and you have a book in front of you or, you know, you're using, you know, conferencing software and you're typing on a screen, the tools don't really matter. What matters is the thinking, the discussing, and then the responding that students do by applying what they're learning. And you can definitely have students do a writing task. You can just give them the directions, put them on the screen, send it an email. Just get your kids thinking and reading and writing along with you and giving them meaningful things to work on when they're not with you. Just keep checking back in as you can. Remote learning will be just fine. Our students will be fine. So I hope that you'll check out resources, atlascentric.com in the online store, because there's many things there that you can definitely adapt and use quickly. And don't hesitate to reach out to me. You can email me at julieweb at litcentric.com. And of course, you can find me on social media. If there's a resource that you'd really love to see and you're not finding it anywhere else, let me know if I can help you. I will certainly do that. So I hope that you have a wonderful week ahead. I hope that you stay safe and take care of those you love. And we'll see you next time. Have a great day at school.